Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas, and thank you for joining us for Texas Ag Today. I'm your host, Jessica Domel, in for Carrie Martin. I'm joined by the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos, and from the Panhandle all the way down to the Rio Grande Valley. We've had encouraging reports about Texas High Plains cattle following the big winter storm, but there are some lingering effects showing up in area herds. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. As spring approaches, we'll see more sunlight and a phenomenon known as spring feeding frenzy. I'll have more coming up. During the dormant season, we often get anxious for warm weather and green pastures, so we start thinking about renovation. Renovation is a series of management practices which restores the vigor or makes new again. I'm Dr. Vanessa Olson from Overton. We'll have those stories, news from Washington, Texas Wildlife News, and a complete look at the markets coming up. Time is running out for U.S. farmers who wish to change their Farm Bill Safety Net program. The deadline to sign a contract or to make an election change is Monday, March 15th. Farmers have the choice between agriculture risk coverage or price loss coverage for the 2021 crop year. Zach Deschanel, administrator of the Farm Service Agency, said in times like these, from a winter storm to a pandemic, we are reminded of the importance of managing risk. He said PLC and ARC provide critical support to farmers to protect them from substantial drops in crop prices or revenues. Farmers can enroll farms with base acres for the following commodities. Barley, canola, large and small chickpeas, corn, cramp, flaxseed, grain sorghum, lentils, mustard seed, oats, peanuts, dry peas, rapeseed, long grain rice, medium and short grain rice, safflower seed, seed cotton, sesame, soybeans, sunflower seed, and wheat. Duchenneau says farmers who were covered by ARC or PLC in 2019 saw the benefits. Received more than $5 billion, billion with a B, dollars in payments last fall. And we've got decision tools available for our producers to make elections, one put together by the University of Illinois and the other by Texas A&M, and they'll help you choose which is best for your operation. As Duchenneau mentioned, one of those Farm Bill decision aids is available on the Texas A&M Agricultural and Food Policy Center website. That's afpc.tamu.edu. afpc.tamu.edu. Click arc-co slash plc decision aid. Again, that website is afpc.tamu.edu. Farmers are encouraged to sign their contract for the 2021 year or change their selection by the Monday deadline at their local Farm Service Agency office. Call ahead as appointments may be required. How did the freeze in February affect cattle on the Texas High Plains? James Hunt reports from Amarillo. 
We still have some lingering effects that we need to watch out for, but the cattle here are doing much better than we should have expected. That's Dr. Jesse Monday with the Texas A&M Veterinary Medical Diagnostic Lab in Canyon, saluting the valiant efforts of Texas High Plains ranchers to feed and protect their animals during last month's winter storm. But as to those lingering effects Dr. Monday mentioned, one issue that is showing up involves the impact on cattle's digestive systems. These animals had an increased demand due to the cold, for protein and energy for food, and plus they didn't all have access to the food that they were supposed to be eating because it was snow-covered or affected by the frost. And so people were having to go out and feed more hay or other supplements that the animals had to adjust to in their ruminant tract. Respiratory problems are also being reported, and Dr. Monday says the lab will be watching for and dealing with the effects of frostbite. Frostbite to ears, limbs on calves. They can affect the entire limbs, which will mean that for welfare reasons, they'll, they'll have to be put down. Mammary tissue, the reproductive tissue, and bulls. So this will have impacts on not just herd size and calf crop, but reproductive effects and production effects. More from Dr. Monday in our next program. Meanwhile, livestock producers whose herds suffered death losses during the freeze can seek assistance through the Livestock Indemnity Program, but Texas A&M AgriLife economist Justin Benavidez says get to the FSA office quickly. You only have a 30-day window to submit documentation of losses, and I'm not exactly sure when our producers around the state may have suffered their disaster, but in general, we're already coming up on the end of that 30-day window. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. As we move closer to spring and days get longer, cattle tend to eat more. It's a phenomenon referred to as the spring feeding frenzy. TFP Network's Jessica Domel has more. Today we are joined by Gary Vogel a technical consultant for Lanco. As we go through the winter and into the spring, there's more time for cattle to eat and graze because there's more sunlight. We've kind of coined the term spring feeding frenzy to talk about that change in feed intake that we typically see during that time of the year when sunrise and sunset change. Generally speaking, the spring feeding frenzy doesn't cause problems for cattle that are out on pasture. We tend to see problems in feed yards because people are used to feeding cattle to the same level, but yet those cattle are saying, I'm hungry, it's daylight, let's eat. And because of that, we can have some issues where we get behind the cattle when we're trying to feed them. Vogel said during the spring, feed yards should probably consider increasing the amount of feed that they give cattle. It could potentially be a problem in that if we're used to pushing cattle, quote, to the edge metabolically, and then the cattle are hungry, you're going to see more cattle being more aggressive in the pens, wanting to, quote, charge the feed bunk and eat or overeat, overconsume feed. And that's why it's so important during this time of the year to make sure that we are following the cattle's behaviors to increase the intake as we see this change in feeding behavior occur. This desire by cattle to eat more during the spring could mean changes are needed in their daily rations. So some nutritionists, depending on who you talk to, like to do one of two things. They either like to, quote, increase a little bit of roughage in the ration during the spring, 
or they like to potentially modulate feed intake patterns of cattle, altering their ionophore levels like rumensin, so that cattle behavior is unaffected. The key thing in this discussion is to recognize that, you know, as we're feeding cattle to a more energy-dense ration, there are greater risks associated with that. And so, therefore, we just need to be aware of that as we're feeding cattle. Vogel says if cattle feeders start to see a higher death loss rate this time of year, they should examine their feeding practices. Probably one of the biggest issues that we typically see when we talk to cattle feeders is that there is an increase in metabolic or digestive death loss during this time of the year. That was Gary Vogel with Alanco. He says the most rapid change in feed intake patterns for cattle typically occurs in March, April, and May. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. There are ways we can improve our pastures. Vanessa Olson has more. In pasture management, renovation refers to improvement of a permanent pasture by changed management. Renovation of Bermuda grass pastures may be as simple as soil testing and applying proper fertilization, or it may be as complex and intensive as destroying the existing sod, preparing a seedbed, and sprigging again. Our first renovation practice should be extensive soil testing and fertilization in accordance with the soil test recommendations. Potassium is essential in plants to combat diseases, aid in water use, and for winter hardiness. Deficiencies of potassium can cause both yield losses and stand losses. Bermuda grass is especially sensitive to potassium deficiencies. Another practice that can improve forage production and persistence is weed control. Weeds compete with Bermuda grass for water, nutrients, and sunlight. Scouting and identifying weeds early is critical in order to match the best method of control and to potentially have effective control. When most people think of renovation, they think about replanting entirely. This is a big concern following sub-zero temperatures in parts of Texas. Unfortunately, we won't know the true impact of the most recent winter weather until Bermuda grass greens up in the spring. Bermuda grass will break dormancy after our last frost, which can occur in mid-March. Green up will usually take place from late March to mid-April to depending on location in the state. For now, we can plan ahead for improving our forage management for this coming warm season. Using best management practices that encourage healthy stands, better nutrient utilization, along with grazing management and hay production practices that extend the longevity of the stand is the producer's best line of defense. If you decide to replant, select forage species and varieties that are adapted to your location, as well as fit your production system goals. Remember, Bermuda grass is resilient and has high tolerance of cold and dry out if managed properly. This is Dr. Vanessa Olson reporting from Overton with Texas Ag Today. Legislation introduced in the U.S. Senate would create more transparency in cattle markets. Michael Clements has more from Washington. The Cattle Market Transparency Act would bring much-needed changes to cattle markets, according to the American Farm Bureau Federation. AFBF Congressional Relations Director Scott Bennett says events last year highlighted the need for reform. After an extremely volatile 2020 in the cattle market, producers became exceedingly frustrated. This bill helps ease much of that frustration by creating a contract library for producers to compare the terms of their contracts versus others in the industry. It also mandates that a packer report the number of cattle scheduled to be delivered for slaughter each day for the next 14 days. This is a requirement that already exists in the swine industry and will better help industry to project estimated slaughter numbers and the packers need for cattle. AFBF passed policy objectives during the virtual annual convention earlier this year detailing how cattle markets can be more transparent. This was after an extensive review of the cattle markets by our cattle market working group in 2020. 
If AFBF is to support a mandatory minimum negotiated trade, it must be cognizant of regional differences. And this bill does exactly that. Supporting Senator Deb Fisher and Ron Wyden's Cattle Market Transparency Act is a huge step forward for AFBF. Bennett says the cattle market working group's grassroots efforts paid off, leading to support of this bill. Because of their leadership, we're able to proudly support this bill, which certainly moves our industry forward. That, to me, is what Farm Bureau is all about. So I would encourage all Farm Bureau members to reach out to your local congressmen and senators and ask them to support the Cattle Market Transparency Act of 2020. Michael Clements, Washington. Although not many quail were killed by the February freeze, we may start seeing impacts of the toll that it took on them. I'll have more coming up. And what do you do if your puppy or kitten has ringworm? Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. In Texas, there's pea-sized hail and baseball-sized hail. Guess which one hit our house? We didn't even know where to begin, but we called our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent, and he was so reassuring. He knew exactly what to do to get our house back into shape and our lives back to normal. Now, we're even more thankful for the roof over our heads. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to insure your home for Texas-sized weather. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. If your puppy or kitten has ringworm, you'll likely need to decontaminate your home. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more. It is not uncommon for, for folks to adopt a young puppy or kitten and bring it home only to find later the animal has ringworm. After visiting the veterinarian and receiving the diagnosis, treatment of the animal begins and there are multiple treatments for ringworm on the animal that are effective. However, another important part of the treatment to prevent recurrence of the infection is to rid your home of the fungus. Ringworm is a fungus, not a worm. And the fungus produces spores that contaminate the environment. And this commonly happens with cats because cats can carry the ringworm fungus and not show any lesions. So you could have a cat in your home carrying ringworm that could infect other animals or people and not know the source unless the cat is tested. In contrast, all dogs with ringworm will usually show some skin lesions. One study was performed on decontaminating 70 ringworm-infected homes, and the cleaning involved removal of all visible debris, followed by wiping the surfaces with an over-the-counter household detergent. After excess water was removed, surfaces were disinfected with bleach or accelerated hydrogen peroxide. Culture results indicated only one-half of the homes were actually clear of the ringworm spores, and some houses required a total of three cleanings and disinfections to rid the house of the ringworm spores. So if you have a pet with ringworm, treatment is usually required required for four to six weeks. But unless you're able to decontaminate the home, it's likely the infection will recur in the same or different animals and humans. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. After the snow and ice from winter storm Uri melted and the temperatures rose again, Texans began taking stock. Of all the losses the Lone Star State saw in February, there were not widespread quail losses. Dr. Dale Rollins, executive director of the Rolling Plains Quail Research Foundation, says there are several reasons for this. 
a quail strategy going into winter, obviously, is to eat high-energy foods, various weed seeds like ragweed, different things. They'll also consume wheat and milo seeds. So they begin to lay down fat for the winter. A fat Bob White has the energetic stores to last about five days or so, given that kind of food deprivation. They did their best. And again, from what I've been able to discern from various landowners, we didn't lose very many birds from starvation. The other thing is, now you're a quail, so you're on everybody's menu and you're out there blanketed with a white background and you stand out like a diamond to a uh, harrier or other kind of hawk. So increased predation is also a big thing. And we did notice that on our radio collared birds at the Rolling Plains Quail Research Ranch. So again, the combined effect of hypothermia and increased predation. And that predation is increased because, again, those birds are out there having to expose themselves longer. They're not able just to sit up under a low bush and protect themselves. They got to get out there and struggle to find food. When they do, they increase their exposure to various predators. Dr. Rollins said it's possible that we'll see impacts from the freezing weather in the coming days and weeks. Is there something, was it stress, was it deprivation of food, whatever, that's left those birds vulnerable for more than just that first 48 hours, but maybe for a week, 10 days out? That was Dr. Dale Rollins from the Rolling Plains Quail Research Foundation. An increase in corn prices caused feeder cattle contracts to trade lower Thursday. And the cotton market is showing signs of recovery after falling around 500 points earlier this week. We'll take a look at the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Each year, National Ag Day celebrates the important contributions of our country's farms and farm families. Join the Agriculture Council of America and our esteemed industry partners on March 23rd as we thank America's farmers for all they provide to our nation and the world. Food brings everyone to the table. Thanks to American Ag. Learn more about Ag Day and the events for March 23rd at agday.org. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. Higher corn prices pushed feeder cattle contracts lower Thursday. Live cattle for April down 25 cents at 118.52. Live cattle for June up 70 cents at 119.67. Feeder cattle for April down 45 cents at 119.27. Feeder cattle for May down 42 cents at 146.40. Box beef prices were higher Thursday, choice up 18 cents at $227.47, select up 40 cents to $220.22 with a movement of 76 loads. Now let's check the livestock auctions. We're walking the pins with Larry Marble. Neighbor, it's Sheep and Goat Day here on Walking the Pins. Let's head out to San Angelo. Talk to Benny Cox from Producers and Cargyle about the sale they have every Tuesday. Benny, how was this week's sale? We got along good. We had we had right at eighty five hundred, eighty four seventy one, and it's it's kind of times pretty dry. We had world of those hair sheep lambs, and a bunch of them didn't weigh fifty yesterday. That yeah. just kind of goes to show you people are looking at their looking the range and and uh, well, look at this market too. 
And we still got along really well. Slaughter Nanny sold from one forty to two dollars, mostly one sixty to one eighty. You know, those things have been bringing up there in that two ten to two twenty range. Those mature billies from two dollars to two fifty on the Q wool lambs that we did sell from two sixty four to two ninety six on the slaughter lambs, the light end of those hair sheep type from two seventy on some of those little old things that were really showing some dry weather stress up to three fourteen. But most of those things sell from two eighty to three dollars. Uh, the heavier weights, those over eighty pounds, two twenty all the way up to two ninety. Slaughter use from ninety to one thirty six, but mostly ninety to one fifteen. Kid goats, two ninety to four fifty eight, but mostly four fifteen to four thirty five. That's nothing to that's nothing to turn your nose up. But yeah, I mean that just adds up pretty quick. You know, there's lots of those I'm talking about those fifty five to sixty five pounders, you know, lots of those things brought well over four dollars a pound. Benny, remind everybody about that replacement opportunity coming to producers in Cargyle, sheepwise. That special uh, replacement sheep goat sale coming up March the twentieth. That's a that's a week from this coming Saturday, I believe. Probably got about all the consignments on again. It's going to be live this year. We've got right at a thousand. Well, Benny, tell everybody how to contact you. You can call me on my mobile. It's three two five two three four four two seven seven. The office is the same number area code. It's six five three 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 seven one. I think always look at the web, which is producersandcargyle.com. Neighbor, that's it for walking the pens a daily production of the texas farm bureau radio network i'm larry marble i'm your host good day china continues to purchase u.s pork while its herds rebound from african swine fever that is just one of the factors that pushed lean hog prices up on thursday Lean hogs for May up $2.55 to $93.55. Class 3 milk traded higher on Thursday. Class 3 milk for April up $0.27 cents to $18.13 a hundredweight. The cotton market continued to trade higher Thursday after posting nearly 500-point losses earlier in the week and slightly rebounding on Wednesday. Cotton for May up 313 points to 88.35. Cotton for July up 315 points to 89.20. Hard red wheat for May down 12 and a quarter to 604 and a quarter. Hard red wheat for July down 12 and a half to 610. Corn for May up seven and a quarter to 555. Corn for September up four to 500. Crude oil prices rose slightly Thursday after the Energy Department said U.S. crude inventories jumped last week. Typically, that would push prices lower, but according to Bloomberg News, U.S. gasoline stockpiles marked their largest two-week decline on record. So crude oil prices for April up $1.69 to $66.13 a barrel. Crude oil for May up $1.66 to $66.10 a barrel. Natural gas for April down $0.02 cents to $2.66. Natural gas for May down three cents to two sixty nine. Let's head on over to the financial markets to see what they did on Thursday. The Dow up two hundred and ten points to thirty two thousand five hundred and seven. The Nasdaq was up three hundred twenty eight points to thirteen thousand three ninety seven. And the S and P five hundred was up forty four points to three thousand nine hundred and forty two. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. Remember, we'll be right here next time to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. I'm Jessica Domel, in for Carrie Martin. Hope to see you then. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.